Welcome to another episode of the Victory Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is a ministry of Victory Baptist Church in Valdosta, Georgia. To learn more about our ministry and the impact it has had in our community for over 50 years, visit VictoryBaptistValdosta.com. Now let's listen as Pastor Ward brings today's message from God's Word. Again, thank you so much for being in the Lord's house. What a joy it is to be here. Have some out that are sick, some out that are traveling. Pray for the junior church next door. I know John and Ivy are both sick. And others throughout the church family. So, got this old bug going around. I still have it. I still have a bad cough and shortness of breath. But I don't feel bad. And uh, But if I start on a coughing spell, that's the end of the service, okay, for today. And don't you be praying that I get a coughing spell, all right? That's unfair. That's unfair. We're in the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter number 18. I love this story. I preached from it multiple times over the years, but through the course of the week, the Lord was dealing with my heart. I had very little time uh, this week. It's very busy through the month of November. I hope that you're praying. I could literally take a whole month sabbatical uh, from the pulpit just to do all the things that I have to do outside of being the pastor this month in the month of uh, November with our accreditation coming up and all those kind of things, dealing with government agencies and all. I could literally let somebody else preach every single service. So it was late on Friday afternoon, and uh, we'd been working down here all day long, and so I just said, well, I'm going home, and uh, my wife was going to get her hair done, and I, I don't know why they use that word, get your hair done. It almost, like, it almost sounded like they're going to put it in the oven or something, you know, or put it on the stove. And, um, but anyway, I went home and shut my office door and I began to pray about today and what the Lord would have us to address. And so I had some time, several hours there to just contemplate and think about the verses that the Lord had laid on my heart when I was in Florida early in the week. Had a few moments there to study here and there and uh, think about, at least meditate on God's Word. And I came back to this single story. It's a very unusual story in the Scripture. And, um, and it begins the story in verse number 17, and we'll read down a few verses. And then I want to preach to you on the subject, a very simple subject, the sorrow of leaving worse than you came. The sorrow of leaving worse than you came. And I'll preface that here in just a few moments. Verily I say unto you, verse number 17, Whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child shall in no wise enter therein. You need to take note of that. And a certain ruler asked him, saying, Good master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? None is good save one, that is God. I fully understand that verse. Knowing that he is the Son of God. But he had a purpose and a reason in saying what he said. Thou knowest the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not kill. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor thy father and thy mother. And he said, All these things have I kept from my youth up. Now when Jesus heard these things, he said unto him, Yet lackest thou one thing. And I circled one. Just one thing. Sell all that thou hast, and distribute unto the poor, and thou shalt have a treasure in heaven, 
and come and follow me. And when he, had, and when he heard this, he was very sorrowful, for he was very rich. And when Jesus saw that he was very sorrowful, he said, How hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God? For it is easier for a camel to go through a needle's eye than a rich man enter into the kingdom of God. And so we see this story, and a very unusual story, for it is... And, and, and here's where I'm coming from. I understand. I fully understand how someone could listen to me preach. I've been preaching over 45, 46, 47, 8 years. I forget how many. Since 1970, the, uh, June of 1976, so 46 years, I guess. And I can understand to this day, this morning, how that somebody could come and hear what I have to say from God's Word, listen to the invitational song, and turn and walk out the building the same as they came, or perhaps leaving worse than they came. You know, I can understand this morning, and I'm, I'm thinking about some verses <coughs> that are given to us in the Scripture uh, <coughs> in regard to this truth. <coughs> and, um, and the Bible said in... Um, in the book of Romans, it talks of, in the book of Romans in chapter number 10, it says, but they have not all obeyed the gospel. And so we get a little bit of uh, understanding that not everybody's going to be saved. I can understand, again, how that somebody could hear me preach or hear you preach. Brother Greg is a great preacher. Brother Montgomery, others throughout our church family. And we've used them multiple times this year. And they've preached great and wonderful messages. But I can understand how somebody could hear what you and I have to say and walk out the door. I used to love to watch the Billy Graham Crusades. And they would have them on television back in the day. And, and he would have these huge crowds in California, New York City. Had one of the largest revivals in the history of America in the streets of New York City, way back in the 50s. I loved to hear him preach. He always preached on the gospel, every single time. And he always gave an invitation. And there, in those crowds of tens of thousands of people, many at the invitation, he'd have some well-known performer to come and sing an invitation song, or perhaps the entire group, the congregation in those stadiums would sing the song. And many would come. But what did he say in Romans 10? But they have not all obeyed the gospel. But it is strange to me this morning, and, this, and I thought about it during the course of the week. It's one thing to hear Pastor Ward preach and walk away. It's one thing to hear Wayne Montgomery preach and walk away. It's something to hear someone of the, of the stature of Billy Graham. Never had any kind of scandal in all of his life. I mean, he just lived this, this wonderful life and, and all the stories about him are wholesome and good and, and thousands and millions of people, perhaps the most in the, in, the, in the 20th century, more people came to the Lord by him than probably everybody else combined, all the others combined. And yet there's some 
would turn and walk away. But for the likes of me, I cannot understand how somebody could come into the very presence of Jesus Christ. Think about that. In the very presence of the Son of God and have conversation with Him. They converse back and forth. Questions were asked and answers were given. And even at that, the very Son of the living God, God Himself, in person, and yet this man turns and walks away. That really gets me. But you know, the Bible had something to say about his attitude in leaving. In the book of Matthew, it said that he was sorrowful. In the book of Mark, when we have this representation of the story, Mark said that he went away grieved. And yet, when you come to the book of Luke, it says two times, not just one time, that he was sorrowful and that he grieved, but it said that he was very sorrowful, very sorrowful. Have you ever experienced something in your life and, uh, and as a result of that, that you went away from there worse than you came? I remember many years ago when I'd injured my back, and I was seeing a, a back surgeon, and he gave me permission, and this is not any kind of, uh, you know, any, anything negative against chiropractors. I've used chiropractors many times. But I, and I remember one time going to a doctor when my back was so bad, and I went in, and I walked in. I walked in, and, uh, and I, I sat up on the, on the uh, uh, table, you know, on the, uh, on the bed uh, and uh, for the examination, all those kind of things, and, and uh, he kind of manipulated me a little bit and kind of moved me around. And honestly, when he got done with me, I had to get on my hands and knees and crawl out of the room. I'm talking about going away worse than I came. There's probably, some of you probably thinking about things in your life. It might not have been, it might have been a job and you thought, man, this is just the job that I've always wanted and you thought about it all weekend and you're supposed to be there on Monday morning and you get to work and all the promises that have been made are out the window now and things are not like you thought they would be and you've been someplace or sometime or some event in your life, you went there and you came away Worse than you went. The sorrow of leaving worse than you came. Some of you think about your marriage. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. When you went to, when you, you, you think about, man, I came away worse than, no. How many of you ever been to the horse races and came away worse? I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Came away worse than you and so the reality of it is there's a possibility that people who hear the very voice of Jesus Christ can turn and walk away, can turn and walk away, and turn away from the preaching, turn away from the uh, Holy Spirit. And, and uh, we think about Judas. The Bible talked about Judas and said that he's a man that had, it had been better. And I don't understand all that I know about that. And uh, I'm not overly concerned about it. And I'm, I don't know everything about this, this uh, idea that, you know, that you're better off if you didn't hear the gospel uh, than to have heard the gospel and not obeyed the gospel. I don't understand all those things. And, uh, and what it said about Judas said that he would have, it had been better for that man that he had never been born. Had never been born. 
I have a book in my office. I have two uh, about the life of Judas. One is the man that kissed heaven's door and died and went to hell. The other one is missing heaven by one foot. That's about the difference from your brain to your heart. Missing heaven by one foot. And there's so many people that are in the condition that this young man is in, this certain man. And of course, we, we, we see that uh, when it comes to it, I, I don't want to get ahead of myself this morning, but uh, in, again, in regard to what the story is about, when it comes to this matter of the commandments of God and the law of God, he had kept five of those commandments, all of them having to do with mankind. And then there's one that, uh, that uh, thou shalt not covet, and then the other four deal with the relationship with God. And so all he had really done is made himself look good in front of all the people. Now, with that in mind, let's just kind of examine our text for a few moments this morning. I want to look at some common mistakes that people make. Some common mistakes that people make. The first one being, it's in verse number 18 and verse number 19. I've already alluded to it, where, and uh, this very simple, that he was wrong about who Jesus was. Isn't that real today? Uh, we were talking about it at the back of the building this morning, of this movement across the land, this universalism, and, and it's just a... You know, it's just a, an addition to a thousand other ways that religion is trying to take over the world and, and uh, take over uh, uh, our homes and take over our churches. And, and, uh, but here it is again. We have it one more time. We have this thing about it doesn't, it doesn't matter about what religion is. It matters about who Jesus is. And this young man had a distorted view of who Jesus was. And I think that's the simple case this day and hour. There are so many people that have in their mind, they've, they've come up with this imaginary person and uh, they know that he is good. They're like Nicodemus. They know that he's good. They know that he was a good teacher. They know that he went about the countryside and he healed the sick and he raised the dead and he fed the hungry and he helped all the people, but they're forgetful of the reason that Jesus came. He said, I came to seek and to save that which was lost. And so one of the common problems that people face today is they have the wrong idea about who Jesus is. Here's another common mistake. I'm sorry, we probably don't have them very clear on the screen, but we can, we can get them for you. Number two, he was wrong about how salvation really works. Now that's in verse number 18. Uh, wrong about how salvation really works. He said, all these things have I kept. Salvation is not about doing things. It's not, it's not about keeping sacraments. It's not about uh, uh, our activity. Salvation is Jesus rebirthing us through His love and His blood and His grace and His mercy and regenerating us. It's not about putting a new suit on an old man. It's, it's about putting a new man in an old suit. And yet there's so many people that have the idea this morning that, you know, whatever, whatever I think about it, whatever I believe about it, friend, you can be wrong. And uh, this is too important to be wrong about it. We, we might disagree about a thousand different things that won't make any difference in eternity. But this one thing, not only was he misunderstanding or wrong about who Jesus was, 
but he was wrong about how salvation works. It is by grace through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Even in this story we have in this chapter some wonderful stories and some wonderful types and pictures of people getting saved and coming to Jesus. And, and uh, most of them, are, most of the stories that we read in this passage of Scripture, are, are their denials of religious activity. Because it is so easy to be religious. It is so easy to follow a bunch of concepts and precepts and ideologies. It's easy to take steps. It's easy to obey creeds and write them on the wall. And, and it's easy to, to, to pull beads on a rosary. And, and it's easy to go to Sunday school. And it's easy to go to church. And it's not even difficult to tithe. And it's, and it's easy to be very, very religious. But that won't get you in. I won't get you in. Here's something else. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, in verses 20 and verse number 21, he was wrong about why God's law was given. Completely wrong about it. And many people are wrong about that law today. There are still people in the world that believe, and there's not anything wrong with keeping, <coughs> following the golden rule and, and keeping the Ten Commandments. I, I don't, I, I, I think that it's, uh, immoral to, to, uh, to steal. I, I think that it's immoral to commit adultery. I think the Bible qualifies and verifies that, it, that it's wrong to covet your neighbor's things and wife, and I think that it's wrong. All these things are wrong. There's, there's no disagreement with the Bible. But it is also true that you can keep all ten of them. No, you can't. But if you could, if you could keep all ten of them, you still couldn't be saved. You still couldn't be saved. Nobody's saved by keeping the law. The nation of Israel, they weren't saved by keeping the law. Their sins were atoned. They were covered until Calvary. They were just stockpiled somewhere, somehow. Their sins were just covered. The atonement was about a covering for... Um, uh, for the sins of the people and all of the blood of the animals and goats and the bodies and the sacrifices that were made, all of those were just waiting for Jesus to come. He said offerings and sacrifices in the book of Hebrews. He said offerings and sacrifices thou wouldest not, but a body thou hast prepared. And he took that body and hung it on a tree. And on that tree Jesus died for the sins of all the world. All the sins that are past, all the sins of the nation of Israel, all the sins that are present, all the sins that are future, on that tree Jesus died for sin. And outside of there, there's nothing you can do about your sin. You can apologize for it, you can grieve over it, you can, you can, you can, do, you can be baptized, you can join the church, you can do anything you want to do. But there's just one way to appease this thrice holy God. And that's to come to Jesus Christ, His Son, in mercy, <coughs> and have all your sins forgiven freely. But this young man, he was a rich man. And he didn't, he didn't see things that way. Uh, he's, uh, he's, uh, he's, uh, he's a ruler, by the way. He's a ruler. And he's, he's kind of used to being in charge of everything. 
Nobody's telling him what to do. He's got servants. He has subservants. He has people under him that are telling people to do his pleasure. And they go and they get it done or they lose their heads. Had that much authority. He's not used to being told what he must do. Let's look on quickly in the story. And so he was wrong about why God's law was given. Uh, in verse number 23, he was wrong about when to trust Jesus. In verse number 23, he said, And when he heard this, <coughs> he was very sorrowful, for he was very rich. And so he had a misunderstanding about uh, when this could be done, when it needs to be done. And, and it's kind of like Agrippa and Felix and others that the apostle uh, had witnessed to, and, and one would say, uh, Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. Another one would say, come again at a more convenient time, would Felix cry out. Oh, I'm interested in what you're telling me, Paul, but it's just not the best time for me. It's just not the best time for me. He was wrong about when to trust Jesus. I'll just give you a little hint, ladies and gentlemen. When he's calling, you better, you better respond. When he's calling, you best respond. It's not on your timetable. It's not your option as to say, well, you know, when, when, I get, you know, when I get a little bit more time, and I've had people to tell me that. I've, had, I've knocked on doors, and I've, and I've witnessed to people, and I've given them gospel tracts and presented the gospel to them and asked them about being saved. They say, I've had them to tell me, yeah, I want to do that, but not right now. Just not the best time. I tell you, there's not a bad time to be saved. Not a bad time to be saved. And so we see in the fifth place some common mistakes. He was wrong about who Jesus was, and many are today. He was wrong about how salvation works, and many are today. He was wrong about why God's law was given, and many are today. He was wrong about when to trust Jesus. Today is the day of salvation. This is the time. If God's dealing with your heart, this is not only the day and not only the time, but it's also the hour to come to Jesus and be saved. Oh, please don't go away. If God's dealing with your heart about your, your lost condition and about your sin, please come to Him today. Here's one more. He was wrong about what riches are for. Isn't that interesting? He was... He was you know, and, and people today, we have, we're, we have kind of misconstrued ideas about why God gives us money and why God gives us wealth. Why, have, you, have you not read in the scripture what, Jesus, what, what it said, what the Apostle Paul said about our labors and our work? He said this, and this, this is a, a pretty, pretty, pretty unique. He said, that you might work to have. That you might labor and work to have. But he didn't stop there. He said that you might work and labor to have so that you might give. That's the reason you've got money. I know you got, and these are tough inflationary times and people are having difficult times and it's even hard to talk about tithes and offering. I, I didn't even talk about it this morning. I think I forgot about it. 
But you know all that excess that we, that we have, and we are, we're all millionaires. I heard someone say this week that every single person in the building, I was in a building with about 300 people, educators, uh, leaders, and administrators, and all those kind of people, uh, down in, in, uh, in um, uh, the uh, World Golf Village in, in Florida. I'm sitting there in these classes, and I'm thinking, and, and you, every once in a while you can see at that World Golf Village, you, we'd, uh, we had to walk past this, uh, these big, big uh, windows, and, and uh, you could see the people out there on the golf course. Man, they were out there, you know, they were just golfing away. And I'm jealous. I'm in there taking 15 hours and two days of, uh, of courses, and they're out there going, Whoosh! they're all out there golfing. Now, how in the world did I get over there? What in the world was I thinking about there? I done lost my place. <laughs> but anyhow, uh, nonetheless, uh, where were we at in our text? Yeah, what riches are for? What riches are for? We work that we might have to give, that we can send missionaries around the world, that we can support our local church, that we can help the needy and the poor, that we can be benevolent with the riches that God has given us. And this man was very... It's one thing to have wealth, but it's something else for wealth to have us. Oh, I, here's, here's what I was about to tell you. Ah, thank you, Lord. Let me tell you before I forget again. But we're all millionaires. I heard somebody say this week that if, you've got, if you have access, I think uh, maybe it was $100. I could, I could have the numbers off. If you, could, if you could reach in your pocket and get 100 or go to the bank and get 100 that you are more than a millionaire. Said for, I think it was in the, in the Philippines, somewhere in, in uh, Indonesia, I forget exactly where it was, but their smallest bill had gone to like $1 equals $20 million. It's kind of like the pesos. You know, I remember when we used to go to Mexico, we'd save all those pesos, and, and uh, then the, uh, the, the uh, missionary... Uh, he would tell us, well, he said that, you know, you, you'd have to have a shoebox full of those to, you know, to, to, to buy anything, anything significant. But you know, here in America, we have been so blessed. We were talking about it up here on the platform a few moments ago. How about how blessed that we are? I know it's difficult times. But let's not get the wrong idea about why God has blessed us so abundantly. Now, he was wrong about five things. Let me tell you very quickly five things. I'll give you two per minute. He was right to be concerned about eternity. He was right to be concerned about eternity. He said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He was concerned about his forever. He was right to be concerned. I remember getting a phone call years ago and I'll try not to go too far with this, but oh, uh, Marvin Bounds. I, I, several of our men had been to witness to him on the bus routes again and again and again. I'd been to witness to him. I'd seen him on Tuesdays and Thursdays. I'd talked to him on Saturdays. He'd visited church periodically. But I remember the day that I got the phone call. It was on a Wednesday afternoon, and I was just getting ready to leave the office. And my phone, the, not this phone, the dial phone, the desk phone rang. I picked it up. I said, hello, and he said, this is Pastor Warren. I said, yes. He told me his name, said, this is Marvin Bounds. He said, 
with a trembling voice. He said, I've got to talk to somebody today. I've got to talk to somebody right now, today. And we set up an appointment. Six o'clock we met and you go into this adjacent building, walk in, first door to the left, a little Sunday school class there where Brother Hutchinson is or was. And that was my office. I had a desk in there and I was sitting at my desk and I heard somebody knock at this door. This building wasn't here at that time. He drove up over here, knocked at the door. I let him in my office, closed the door, and he walked in and he said something like this. I don't want to spend forever in hell. He was concerned about his eternity. We talked for a little while, and I remember that big man, about 6'5", about 350, 360 pounds. I remember, and, and a little, he was older, maybe in his late 50s or 60s at that time, and I can remember him grabbing hold of the desk and, and bending his knees and finally getting down on his knees and then getting down in the push-up position and lowering his torso right against the floor and his face right against the floor and he put his hands out over his head and he begged God to save him and not let him go to hell. He was right to be concerned. Had a lot of problems in his life. But he was right to be concerned. Are you concerned about your eternity? Let me close. He came to the right person. He asked Jesus. This is all old news. I've preached this before. He asked the right question, verse number 18. He received the right answer, verse number 22. In verse 23 and 24, he did like so many have done under my preaching, Brother Montgomery's preaching, Billy Graham's preaching, Bob Jones' preaching, Jerry Falwell's preaching. The list goes on and on and on. And uh, the, the preachers in our area... They're preaching. Brother Lyons preaching, one of the best pastors in, in, in South Georgia, North Florida. Those that have turned and walked away, but he made the wrong decision. But what will you do? There's probably somebody in here this morning that you've never really trusted Christ as your Savior. I think it's interesting when you study through the book of Luke that you see this word certain mentioned on three occasions. The first time it's mentioned in Luke chapter number 12, and it starts off something like this, and it says, Beware of covenants. Take heed, beware of covenants. Covetousness. For a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of things which he possesseth. And then it goes on, it talks about this certain man that had barns and fields, and you know the story. And then when you come on into the book of Luke, into chapter number 18, where we are tonight, it doesn't just say that there was a certain rich man, but here it says there's a certain ruler. Could it be one and the same? Could that have been earlier in his life, and he, had, and he made all of this money and had all of this wealth, and then a little bit later in life now, he's become a ruler? The Bible said in Luke 12 that there was a certain rich man. Here it says there was a certain ruler who was also a rich man. And then you come to Luke chapter number 16. And the Bible said there was a certain rich man. 
and gives us the story of the rich man and Lazarus. I've often wondered, and I can't prove it. I'll deny it if you tell somebody I said that it was so. I wouldn't sign it if you, if you wrote it on a piece of paper. But I wonder if this is the same man. Maybe the first time we see him in Luke chapter number 12, maybe he's somewhere around uh, 25, 30 years old. When we see him in our story, maybe he's in his 40s or his 50s now, and he's, now he's not only wealthy, but he's also a ruler of the people. Maybe he's a politician. And then we see him the last time in Luke 16. And you know the end of the story. Don't let that be your lie. Don't leave worse than you came. Would you stand with us for prayer? Our Father, we thank you for the precious Word of God, I thank you, Father, for these stories, some of them not so pleasant, but these great truths that we find in the Scripture. Lord, may no young person fall into the trap this young man fell into. There's more to life than making a lot of money, doing a lot of things, accomplishing all of our dreams and goals. To do all that and miss heaven would be an awful thing. Lord, I do pray that your Holy Spirit might hover over each pew, those at ground level, those up in the balcony, and if there's a man, woman, boy, or girl, Lord, I feel an urgency today. I felt it since Friday about this service, this message, and these people. Lord, speak to every heart, and we'll thank you in Jesus' name. We're going to sing a verse of...